Do you struggle with putting yourself first? Are you tired of feeling burnt out and overwhelmed from constantly putting the needs of others before your own? I have created a sacred space that will be available once a week for 10 weeks to learn, dive deep, and create your boundaries to boost your confidence and self-worthiness. Go to www.krista-luna.com and sign up for the Master Your Boundaries course starting in September 2023. And use the code PARANORMAL to get 30% off today on www.krista-luna.com. Welcome to another episode of Paranormal, the new normal. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy, trying to bring a little normalcy to this strange, strange world we live in. Does that ever happen? Oh, hell no. And I say that ironically for a reason you'll find out later, my uh, listeners. But uh, it never happens, as you all know. I mean, sometimes we get a little normal if we talk to yogis or stuff like that, but Today, I don't think we're going to get anywhere near normal, and I'm very proud of that fact today. But as always, I have a guest to help me try to do this. And my guest today is from the Southern Demonology Podcast, J.J. Jackson. And I am pleased to have him here. J.J., how's it going? It's going very well. How are you doing today? Uh, It's been a fun day. I mean... Yeah, my, my mom's guinea pig died, so I had to go freaking take care of that right after work. And, and now it's sitting in my garage in a shoebox waiting to be buried on Saturday. So, fun, fun, oh fun. My gosh. Yeah, she she loved it. I, I loved it, too, at one point. But now it's just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I got dogs now, so I can't shed tears for a guinea pig, honestly. I had to watch an 18-week-old puppy get put down. So, I can't sh- I can't shed tears for a guinea pig. <laughs> I, I own two dogs yeah i, I yeah but it, it, it kind of wrecks you when that happens i couldn't imagine yeah he uh yeah uh harley he was born with he was well all my dogs are mastiffs but he was born with uh misshaped kidneys apparently and we got him when he was eight weeks old and we had him for 10 weeks oh so, my gosh and he cost me a shitload of money, but uh, thank thank God for thank God for pet insurance because if I didn't get it on him, I would have really been screwed. But I could imagine. So, but I did miss mortgage for a couple months, so that was fun. But anyway, that's not what we're here to discuss tonight. <laughs> but uh, so I came across JJ. Well, doesn't really matter. I came across him, but. So he was one of these people, one one of the people on this list I came across for guests, and I had to have him on. And it took me a while to get to get in contact with him, but once I did, I was happy he agreed to come on. And but first question I ask everybody is, what got you into the paranormal? Um, it's really how 
I where I was raised and how I was raised. Um, from as early as I can remember, I have been suffused with ghost stories. Uh, my family, in fact, I, I think that there's a, a popular TikTok creator who kind of uh, who's from Appalachia and would say that. You know, it's all about hillbilly gothic and that the South is really steeped in death. And I think that's entirely true. In fact, most of our family stories, we ignore the mundane and we carry these ghost stories with us as almost like warnings of if this happens, then you should do this. If this happens, you should do that. And I was a ghost storyteller all the way throughout school, loved it. And then I happened to get into ancient languages and Ooh. began studying, um, uh, you know, the Second Temple Judaism, uh, the Pseudepigrapha, and all of the stories of the ancient Near East and fell in love and realized that all of that dovetailed really perfectly with uh, my first love of ghost stories. And yeah, that's where I am now. Ooh. And yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, the South is a very tragic place with a lot of, a lot of death over the last couple hundred years, a few hundred years. I mean, and that's the sad part is it's only been a few hundred years since this country was founded. And it's yep. just, the South has had more death than any other part of it. I mean, maybe the West can come a little bit close, but I don't think it can come anywhere near close. But Well, I still see. remember when I was six years old and our family all got together, and I come from a huge family, and we all went to the local graveyard to bury our headstones to mark our graves. And that last that left a very lasting impression. Uh, you know, I, my grandmother would go off and mow the local cemeteries in which our relatives were, uh, were buried and I would go right along with her and help out. And yeah, so I've spent a lot of time in cemeteries, not for morbid reasons, just for, um, uh, functionary ones, I guess you could say, but all of that, uh, definitely left their mark. Wait a minute in the South, you. Is that a thing in the South that you have to go and actually mow the cemeteries that your family's in? So the way it's supposed to work is that the local church is responsible for lawn care. But a lot of the, because there's a church almost every two miles, I mean, I am literally from the belt buckle of the Bible belt. And so we have churches everywhere and half of them don't have enough membership in order to, they barely can pay the preacher, nevertheless, anything else. And a lot of these churches will fall behind on their lawn care services, and they just let the graveyards go wild as a result. And that's something my grandmother just could not abide by. I mean, that's her, That's where her father was, was buried, her grandfather was buried, and she wasn't going to let it see eat up with weeds. So she volunteered. And so it was her and my uh, great uncle, my great aunts. We all went out there and we mowed and we weed it and we did that every two weeks. Oh, geez. I mean, see up here, I mean, 
most cemeteries up here are huge and like the the people who act, like there's actually people who run the cemetery themselves and they it's their job to do all the upkeep so, yeah and that's the way yeah. it should be like but all of the cemeteries around where i'm at they're tiny like there are a few large ones but out in the country and i'm from a town of 113 people every one of them is small and segregated from each other so it uh yeah they're plentiful yeah i'll say i mean the church i grew up in has a small cemetery attached to it but i'm pretty sure there's has been anybody buried there and in my lifetime at least i'm pretty sure all the graves there have been there since before i was born so it's just i mean that the church takes care of that one of course but other than that i mean my everybody in my family that's passed is buried in a big big cemetery entry not far from that that church but still it's just a huge cemetery and uh they for years they've i've been seeing them take care of it it's it's the way it should be i agree i mean it's it should be like a business almost because that's what it is up here most of the time it's a business then well that's the way all churches are really i mean they are businesses at the end of the day so I oh mean, I, they... I meant this i meant the cemetery itself is a business like like you you they cremate you there you get in the, in the money from that and the money from the burials and everything else is how they afford to keep up hire people to keep up with the law, ground keeping but... oh gotcha yeah no we're uh at least where the area that I'm at, like I know exactly where I and my wife are going to be buried and those plots don't cost a thing. You just call the church. You say, yep, this is where I'm going to be at. I need this extra spot for a loved one and you're in the books. You're good to go. Oh, oh God. No, my, my grandparents had to pay a small fortune to get their grave plots before they died. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. I kind of, I kind of see the benefits of that too. I kind of can, but so let me ask you this the second question i usually ask everybody in the show is what experiences have you had in the supernatural with either ghosts spirits aliens cryptids take your pick i mean anything in the super in the supernatural world i've i've had quite a few um i i i did so i grew up in a place that we considered haunted um not to an earth shattering degree. It was actually kind of a, what they call a, a quote unquote benign spirit. Uh, we actually had a family name for it named Patrick. I grew up in a log cabin that was two over 200 years old. Um, and it was a very simple floor plan, uh, but it had an attic and then a, uh, a, a kitchen two bedrooms, a back room, and that was, and then a bathroom. And that was it. So no heating, no air conditioning, no nothing. Um, and, but the attic is where we knew this thing to be. And on, uh, on days in which it was absolutely still, the uh, attic door would swing open and closed by itself without any breezes, uh, I had horrible dreams in that place. And we also grew up in a land that was surrounded by uh, burial mounds. And I have seen solid white figures off in the distance in one of the more deadly areas of the woods that we call the colons. Because you go back there, there's so many sinkholes, you will easily break a leg. And it's happened more than a few times. 
Uh, but yeah, I've seen ghostly figures off into the distance there. And that freaked me out. That was when I was a kid. And other than that, I have been visited by a hag like figure uh, in the, in the middle of the night uh, whispering. And it could have all been a dream because it was right on the border of awake and sleep but it would always whisper horrible, horrible, seductive things. Uh, and then the most recent experience I've had, uh, I was living in Japan and I had just fallen asleep and the apartment that I was in, it was about 400 square foot, but the balcony was huge. It was probably the same size as the rest of the place. And that's because this was a, a business fully furnished type of apartment. And they had a huge sliding glass door. And I dreamt of a figure banging on this door. Uh, and it was, it was saying a word while it was banging. Um, and I remember exactly what that word was. It was haidu, haidu, haidu. <laughs> and whenever it was saying, it, I didn't hear it with my ears. It was like it was resounding deep within my brain and it was causing physical pain. And one of the things that I know distinguishes it from a dream so well is that, you know, I have died in dreams. That's not a big deal. But whenever you feel pain in the dream, it's just absent. Your, your, you know, your brain does not conjure that stuff up with it. And I'm not a lucid dreamer by any stretch of the imagination. I've never had a lucid dream. But I felt true pain in this dream. Uh, it felt like my head was splitting open. And then I woke up to an earthquake alarm going off on my phone. And I still remembered that word. And I ran to look it up in my dictionary. And sure enough, it means to enter. So this thing was demanding entry. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that if I had actually opened that sliding glass door, then I would not be here today. So that was my most chilling experience by and far. <laughs> I'll I'll say so. God, I mean, I mean, we everybody know. I mean, Japan, Japanese like spirits and folklore are huge over there. Like, and they fully believe that. In I mean, they have that whole forest of that whole uh the suicide forest i forget the actual name of it is the, but yeah Aokigahara, the juke yeah oh yeah that and i have been there and let me tell you i walked into so i was so excited to visit this place i heard so much about it and we had visited like the the lava and ice caves that's in the region they were phenomenal and then we walked into the forest proper and immediately after crossing that boundary of the tree line, even though it was right next to the road, nothing. It was dead silent, except for this odd humming sound that would increase in volume and then decrease. And it, would, it wasn't regular, but it would just keep floating in and out the entire time we were there. And we only walked probably about a quarter of a mile into these woods. 
And I was so freaked out that I'm like, nope, let's take a picture and let's get the fuck out. And they're like, come on, you're the one who suggested this trip. And I said, yep, I know there's an amusement park. We'll go there tomorrow. But no, I am done with this place. And yeah, it, it was awful. I, I did an entire podcast episode on that one because, uh, yeah, and I will not go back into those woods at all. No. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen pictures of it, and I've heard of people. I've heard stories of people going there, or like that they've written up and whatnot. And it's no one ever goes there and says, "Oh, it was such a pleasant time." They always say it was the eeriest place I've ever been in my life. Like, yeah, I mean, and just and the poor people that go there to kill themselves. I mean, they they don't do it instantly. They bring camping equipment uh, until the moment where they feel like they have gathered the courage to to do this thing and you know that they organize uh walks throughout uh the place looking for dead bodies you'll find discarded camping equipment everywhere it's just and, and japan has such a huge suicide rate to begin with um along with a whole host of other social problems like hikikomori and you know everything else uh, but yeah, it it just breaks your heart hearing about that. I mean, it, yeah, it's just it's sad. And I've watched documentaries on it too, and it's just even watching documentaries like you just just looking at the video of the forest, it's just like, oh, like it, I would not, I would go there. I'm, I'm pretty sure I would do the same thing you did. I would step foot in and be like, nope, going back. <laughs> no, I spent it's... all this money to come here for this. <laughs> exactly i mean it was worth it to go i'm glad that i did but that will be a one-time only kind of experience i think for me <laughs> oh yeah i mean uh, there are there are a thousand other things in japan i would enjoy while i was there but i mean the food alone i mean forget about it i would oh, be yeah, i was actually there uh all for a month from december into january and Oh God, it was amazing. Everything about it was just amazing. I, I love J Japan feels more like home to me than the U S does at this point. And hopefully in a few years, I'll be able to go back and, uh, and live there in peace, but we'll see if that actually happens or not. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually had a coworker at a job. I just got laid off from back in the beginning of February. And he actually has a wife and daughter that lives in Japan and he lives in the States. I don't know the reasoning and, not my business anyway, but he, he's there now actually for a month visiting his or close to a month visiting his daughter and his wife. And he is so he was so happy last time I talked to him to be going back there because he loves Japan. I mean, he specifically mentioned the food, but he also like just, just he hasn't seen his daughter since COVID started. So, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I have two stepkids myself and I couldn't imagine going, I used to go, I used to, when I first started dating their mom, I used to go two weeks without seeing them. And even that sucked. I can't imagine going years. That would be heartbreaking. And I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could do it. It'd just be. Unfortunately so with Japan, I mean, they were so locked down that yeah. unless you were a permanent resident or a citizen, you could not enter. And I've got me, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, his family, all of them are there and I couldn't see any of them. And it was only this trip because they opened their borders back up in October of last year that I was finally able to go. And 
Oh yeah, we lived it up because I mean I I missed them so much and hadn't been able to actually see them in so long. So, but yeah, take it to be a a daughter or a son. Oof, yeah, I'm glad he's there. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I haven't talked to him in about a month now, and I really should. I gotta find a way to get in contact with him. I really do, but it's just it's sad because he. I mean, yeah, he's such a good guy, and his daughter's a teenager too, and that's the worst part. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So he, I mean, I think she's fourteen now. So he probably hasn't seen her since she was eleven, which that's a very hard age to not see your kid. I I would imagine my kids aren't there yet, but I would imagine that's a very hard age to not see them because that's a very important years. But yep. so let me ask you. And when you say Sorry, when you say bur- drink, oh no 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 no, no worries. Uh, and when you say burial mounds uh, that you were around where you grew up, I'm, I'm assuming you, need, you mean Native American burial, burial mounds, of course. I do, yep. Which, yeah, my, yeah, my, the, the Native American burial mounds that are all over this country is just, they're always so, the area around them is always so haunted, reportedly. I mean, my wife, when I first met her, the house she was living in, her grandfather bought back in ninety was built on Native American burial grounds. He didn't know it because he didn't build the house and he didn't find out until a few years later because the people who built the house in 88 left within two years and for no, they didn't say why, but they mm. found out why. They found out why pretty soon because <laughs> that house is that house is one of the, and it's in the Bridgewater Triangle. That house, oh, is one of the wow. creepiest, that house is one of the creepiest houses I've ever freaking been in. And I used to be up to like three, four in the morning there with her and her uncle and her stepdad like playing cards, drinking, whatever. And you just get the creepiest feeling. I swear to God, I've looked out windows and I've seen like red eyes looking back at me. Like oh, just... the, the red eyes. Ooh, no, that, that that imagery is more than enough for me right there. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's just like, uh, I mean, she, she would tell me stories all the time too about when she was a kid, like shadow people that she would see in the house where she stayed at her grandparents' house when they lived there like shadow people um if she turned off her bed if she tur- i always asked her because like she never would turn off all the lights in her bedroom at night and i thought it was for the kids but i asked her like why don't you turn off all the lights in your bedroom at night like the kids would get used to it she's like because if you do you'll see this figure on the ceiling and he it looks like he has a hand outstretched and there's three glowing orbs rotating in it what the heck I mean, I can only assume Native American shaman or witch doctor. Like that's the only thing I could think of. But that's a new one on me. I've never heard that type of description before. It could be. I yeah, I have no idea. Well, well actually, here's one for you. Since you, since the name of your podcast is Southern Demonology, mm. when she was a teenager and her grandmother died, she kind of went rebellious and. She always had crosses in her room because of what was in that house to begin with. Mm-hmm. But at that point, she turned she turned all the crosses upside down because she was in a very bad place because her grandmother was her best friend. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, she started hearing all these voices over the next couple of days in her room calling her name. They just kept saying, like, Katie, Katie, like trying to get her attention. And eventually, she... Turn the crosses back right because that was too much for her. I mean, it's just that, that's a good move. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
the thing is, is that, you know, the great Malachi Martin, uh, former Jesuit priest, advisor to multiple popes, uh, you know, one of the more prolific exorcists that the U.S. has ever seen, he had conducted, if you listen to his old interviews with Art Bell, they are amazing. And his book, Hostage to the Devil, is equally so. But, you know, he had conducted profile. He had actually profiled, he said, I somewhere between 700 to 900 people. And there was never a rhyme or reason why people are targeted. Uh, in fact, even in the book, um, it's, you know, the, 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 it's always up to some mysterious thing, but that's for true possession. However, the stage before that obsession can be triggered by any kind of door that you leave open. So if you start messing with Ouija boards, that could be an easy way or the Japanese version Kakudisan. If you know, it could be as simple as, inviting something in and unfortunately turning crosses upside down can very well be a doorway that you are opening so to hear that she turned them around i mean that that's a good thing because um yeah i mean you never want to go opening doors if you don't know how to properly close them and i am an academic i I would say that right up front i don't claim to be a modern demonologist by any stretch of the word Uh, I know ancient languages, I know historical facts, uh, and I've seen how those can cross-apply up into the modern day. And I I love studying those fragments of time that are buried even to where we can find them now and how they shape and influence our views of the modern world. Um, But yeah, those doorways, they, they will get you almost every single time. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I Ouija boards have come up a lot in my show lately. I don't know why. I mean, it's uh, I. I think it wasn't. I think he's an author. I just had a guest on my show a couple weeks ago, and yeah, he's an author. And he he. I was just editing his episode the other day, actually. And he, when he was a kid, he was playing with these two sisters that lived down the street from him, mm-hmm. and they were playing with a Ouija board. And the Ouija board, they the girls asked the Ouija board when he was going to die, and according to the Ouija board, it was going to be forty. But when he hit forty, he didn't die necessarily, but he was in a tragic accident. So, I mean, I truly believe Ouija boards have some ability, but yet Hasbro sells them to children. But I mean, they do have some abilities. It just, yeah, and and, and that's the thing, like. Your experience will vary. And I I had a guest on one time, uh, a lovely, uh, lovely woman who goes by the moniker of a demon folklorist, because that's what her degree is in. And I think she said it best. It's not as if there's always a demon waiting behind every single uh, ritual or Um, or practice that one happens to undertake. But the fact is, is that you are opening a doorway and Mm -hmm. you never know what's on that other side. It could be benign. 
but it could also be something that is has much more sinister and insidious intentions towards you. So uh, for me, uh, I had messed with one when I was a kid. Luckily, nothing bad happened, and uh, I can't look, count my lucky stars on that one. And based upon what I know now, I can tell you for sure that I would never mess with one, ever. I have never seen one in person, let alone touched one. And I never, as a teenager, I probably would have if I had the chance because I wouldn't have put too much stock in it. But, I mean, now I'm kind of happy I didn't because I've heard too many stories that have gone awry because of playing with Ouija boards. So, I mean, even yeah. Kakudi-san, which is the you know, Japanese, uh, a quick Japanese version of it, in which they take a sheet of A4 paper, just regular notebook paper. They'll draw a, a tori or a, a gate at the top. And then on either side of that is high and EA for yes and no. And then they'll write out the, uh, the Hiragana alphabet underneath it. And they'll take a 5N coin, which has a hole in the middle of it. And then they'll treat that as if it was the board itself. Uh, and you know, a lot of like school kids were messed with it while they're in school during free periods. But if you don't invite me, if you don't tell Kakudi-san to go away at the end of it, then even there, there are just some horrible tales that come out of those types of interactions. So, yeah. Yeah. I, there was an episode of two main horror stories on CW about that. About, oh, really? Like, yeah. I believe I believe that's where it was at least, but I'm not positive. But I, I, I know that I know there was a two a two minute horror story uh, episode about a Japanese schoolroom. So I think that's what it was about. But I mean, well, there's also I, I think, cabin in the woods too, which featured uh, you know uh, one of uh, what three different types of uh, paranormal events that they had to conduct, and one of them was about a Japanese classroom that was for an elementary school. I yes, think. I, yeah. I, I, wa I watched Captain in the Woods less than a year ago for the first time, and I remember that scene. That that movie was so fascinating to me, being in the being in the paranormal world, because I there were so many different paranormal creatures in that. Facility. Oh, I know. I, I loved it. I loved everything about that movie. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I never watched it when I was younger because I always thought it would be like, I'm not a horror movie like fan. I never was until like the last couple of years. But, and my wife, we could thank her for that. And you could thank podcasting for that. But <laughs> I, I watched Cabin in the Woods for a halfway to Halloween bracket we were doing on a show I used to be on back in August of last year. And like I, I loved it. Like I, I always thought it was more of a horror movie, less of a comedy movie. But it was. I mean, I guess it really is a horror comedy because it was freaking hilarious. But yep, it was good yeah. stuff. Yeah, we. Uh, um, oh gosh, on our Discord server, we actually have Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday movie nights, and where we stream a, a horror movie uh, where everyone can join in, and we've seen some like classics, but we've also seen a few duds. Like I were. Uh, I remembered. Have you ever seen Peter Jackson's Dead Alive? I can't say I have. Okay, that's probably a good thing. But anyway, I remembered it being so good. It is one of the goriest movies that you can find, uh, but in a silly way, not in like a, I'm going to gross you out kind of way. But there was one line that I remembered so well 
uh, which is a priest who is finding zombies in a graveyard. Uh, and he says, I kick ass for the Lord. And I, I was like, okay, we got to see this movie. And oh gosh, it was awful. Uh, I, um, yeah, I caught a lot of flack for hosting that one. <laughs> oh, I can't. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying. I'm trying to Google it as I look. But there's this one movie, and it's, it's basically a. It takes place in a cemetery, and it's basically a King of the Ring type thing between different paranormal entities. Like oh. it's like it's uh, what the hell is it? I'm trying to look up. I'm I'm googling Jimmy Hart because he's in it. <laughs> okay. Like that's the one. That's the one person I remember being in it is Jimmy Hart and. Uh, Monster Brawl. That's the name of the movie. Is Monster Brawl? I it came out. That one. Uh, most people have never heard of it. It it came out in 2011. It's it's called Monster Brawl, and what was I gonna say? I saw it on Netflix back in like probably around 2011. I saw me and my friend just put it on because he, we were both drinking and we just were looking for, he likes, he loved horror movies. So he was looking for something to watch. We were looking for something to watch. And he's like, that looks funny. Let's watch that. And like, it's like, there's literally a character in it named Witch Bitch. <laughs> I love it. I'll have to, I'll have to track that down and see that. That sounds pretty fun. <laughs> It was. I mean, it's literally like a cemetery wrestling tournament between like different paranormal creatures, and like to determine like the ultimate winner. It, and that's where Jimmy Hart comes in, and it has a couple other people in it too. It's a, it's a hilarious movie. Like, I, uh, it's such a. I actually I put it in. I made uh, the host of the of Masturbators put it in a pod, uh the horror movie tournament we did back in October on his show, and it didn't get far, but. Oh yeah, Dave Foley's in it too from Kids from Kids in the Hall. Oh really? Yeah, I love the Kids in the Hall. Okay, I will have to track that down. Me too. I mean, I I don't know if I did I get no. I don't think I got into Kids in the Hall at that point yet. But a couple of years within the next few years after that, I got into Kids in the Hall randomly on Netflix, and I learned and I loved it. I watched like the whole series, and yeah, I still got I still I still got to watch the reboot they did of it, but. It's not bad, actually. I, di I didn't have any hopes for it, but uh, it was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I had hopes for it because I've seen them all in their own, like, separate roles in different shows and stuff. Uh, the manager on Superstore, uh, I forget his name always, but, and, I mean, Kevin McMahon on that 70s show was always classic. Yep. And Dave Foley on um, the vet show with... Oh my God, with the guy from the Hangover and Community, I can't think of his name, but Doctor Chang. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like uh, Dave Foley's been amazing in anything I've seen him in. I mean, I've seen him in so many different roles at this point, but he's always funny. Yeah, like I, I, I had high hopes because I love all the like they're all so good. And except what's, what's for the only thing I'd re I'd recommend not checking out is um. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't mean any disparagement by this. Uh, the shorter individual of that group, he is on TikTok now, and he does this bit as Mister Pajamas, and it's awful. I'm like, no, I, I, I can't, I can't do you. I'm sorry. I followed him because I was like, yeah, hey, you're great, and like, nope, this is not good. 
I'm not sure. I, I honestly don't know which one you could be. I mean, uh, he was always the in the original. He was always the little kid with the backpack. Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name for anything because I only I, know I the can't either. I only know the two main. I only know Dave Foley and Kevin McMahon. Like off the top of my head, usually, but uh, I know who you're talking about. Though I could, I could see it. I could see him. I just can't. Uh, yeah, I, I, okay, I could see that because he was never my favorite of the five. He never was Same here. Favorite, he was very hit and miss. What, what's going on, Mike? Glad you're watching. But I mean, uh, yeah, Monster Brawl is a funny horror movie for anybody, any of my listeners who want to watch it. It's a funny movie. It's there's a cyclops in it. There's a witch. There's a lot of other supernatural <laughs> things in. It's basically a King of the Ring tournament, like from WF, WF old days, like <laughs> in a cemetery. Which and Jimmy Hart is, I think, a commentator or do a manager. It's just funny. But oh my god, yeah, you get wrestling in the mix of all that. It's got to be a good time. <laughs> and just every time, like the commentators are like, "Oh, which bitch lands a blow?" And it's like, "Oh my god, oh my god." <laughs> This movie's Canadian. It has to be Canadian. I was like, yeah, but it's Canadian. I found out years later. I'm like, yeah, it had to be. It had to be like a Canadian B movie. But and that's why Dave Foley's in it. It's because Canadian. But still, right. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just so funny. I mean, it's one of those gems that no one knows about. Like I, I only found about it because I, I was looking at Netflix two o'clock in the morning looking for something to watch one day with a drunk friend and he said, put that on and we watched the whole thing and God, it was hilarious. But there you go. So I have a lot of people tell me different things about demons. Mm-hmm. So, but the one I want to start with, a lot of people say that when they, that well, one, this comes from the group of people that believe that angels and demons are extraterrestrial nature. And I've heard a lot of times that demons are reptilians. Um, Ever since we scheduled this, I wanted to ask you about this. So I'm dying to hear what you say. That's a new one on me. Um, I, so I come from a Christian faith. I converted to Catholicism back in college and I pretty much toe the line that angels are supernatural entities, whereas demons are preternatural entities. So and pertin so super meaning above and perter meaning tethered. So demons, when they fell, they lost something of themselves. Now, I was actually listening to an exorcist talk on the nature, and I, I think what he said was really kind of intriguing. I'm not sure if I'm 100% on board with it, but I do like that direction in that angels were built to commune with God. And when that was severed from them, they still have an urge to commune, but that has become putrid. And they thus, 
from either whatever resentment they hold against humanity. If you take Milton's view, then it's out of pure jealousy. Uh, but the you know these stories of the quote unquote enemies of humanity have been going back uh, ever since Zoroastrianism, which probably had the most advanced dualism of any religion that has ever existed. And it's actually still around today, just in very small quantities. And it's probably the reason why Judaism developed a dualism when it had none to begin with. Um, but if, but yeah, um, I don't know about any kind of reptilian thing. I don't, I don't believe in any of these uh, extraterrestrial things. I think that kind of cheapens what the concept of what a demon is. It is an entity that has no form that has never been human, not once, but seeks to ruin souls. It, it seeks to completely um, putrefy and degrade humanity for some reason. And the thing is, is that we have very limited gazes into this realm. Uh, I certainly don't know everything. I'll be the first one to tell you that I don't know everything because there's no one who does. There are no experts when it comes to demons. You know, you have exorcists that have probably the most interaction with them, but that's only to cast out or to purify a home because there's two different forms of exorcism. Um, and that's really, and the rest of it is all works, you know, whether they be Christian works, uh, Jewish works, uh, you know, uh, Islam works, and, you know, whether they are like Jen or whether they are like how, um, you know, Jews or Christians view demons to be, I, I can't really tell you the, the story. But all I know is that through copious amounts of evidence, that it seems to be that they have a true grudge against humanity. Uh, and I think a lot of that stems from Zoroastrianism. There is a passage in which uh, uh, Ahura, uh, um, which, uh, Ahura Mazda has contact with the, the enemy of God. And that enemy says, I will turn your creatures against you. And it is almost like I actually in a podcast episode quoted that entire stanza. And it sounds like, it, I mean, if you took it, if you divorced it from what its true meaning is, it sounds like it's the devil talking to God. And which is kind of a really strange thing and really shows kind of the close knit relationship of how Zoroastrian demonology has really influenced not just Judaism, but also Christianity into the modern day. Very long-winded answer. I apologize for that. But nah, it's all good. It's all good. And Michael Anthony, who's been a guest on my show, and I hope to have him back sometime soon, says because they're denied what they can have to, to be, which is us. That's his theory, he says. Because they're... I mean... The story I always was to what story I always, or at least what I got from it, because I mean, I love that you mentioned Milton. 
because I love um, Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite stories because it's just such a way to look at scene. Like to me, it's a say that to me is kind of like Satan's version of like the three little pigs told from the wolf, big bad wolf version. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of what it is to me. Cause like it's the villain's view, but, and I, I love paradise lost Park Parcast just did uh well, probably six months ago now, at least they did a retelling of that story in like four parts. And they did such an amazing job with the voice acting and all that. Like, it's just, oh. Oh, wow. And, oh, yeah. Mike Ransom says, apparently his phone messed with the words, but it's because they were denied what they could not have, and that was to be us to experience life, which that's what Milton believed, too, was that the deep, I mean, it was the angels who didn't like that God created these humans, and he these angels thought they stopped paying attention. That God stopped paying attention to them because he created these new pets, these humans. Like that's, yep. that's, that, the, that's the theory I was always told. Uh, and that is a very, um, it's a very prevalent theory that uh, is found in a lot of Christian faith. And that very well could be it. I mean, again, who knows? I mean, I'll, you know, if, if we follow, Milton, then yeah, you know, the, the light bearer was very jealous of humanity, and that's what started the war and caused them all to fall. But then you can go back to earlier versions of something kind of similar. And you go to First Enoch, uh, and you have the watchers that were this group of angels that were set to look over the generations of man. And they saw that the daughters of man were very comely. And I'm not trying to be sexist when I say man in this regard. It's just I'm quoting the text. And decided to take wires for themselves amongst, the, amongst them. And uh, did so. And while they did that, they taught humanity uh, all of the bad things from metalworking to magic to makeup to jewelry, uh, etc. And, uh, and then the fruits of their unions were born into the nephilim which are these giant horrible monsters that not only tried to screw everything they found they would then try to eat it as well and they were kind of the ultimate abomination because they were a mixture of spirit and flesh and even even after god sent the deludes to wipe out humanity and to try to purge the earth the Nephilim are still there. They're just spirits. And in the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, my favorite uh, passage is from uh, 4Q 5, 10, and 11, which is found in K4. And it simply said, like, and I, the instructor, the Mashkil, am making a proclamation of his, God's, glorious splendor in order to instill dread and to terrify all of the spirits of the angels of destruction. And that's because in Enoch, these angels were imprisoned underneath the desert Dudael for 70 generations, so they said. Um, The spirits of the bastards, demons, Lilith, howlers, desert dwellers, and those who suddenly strike in suddenness to charm hearts and lead astray established spirits. So, 
it was an entire litany of things that need to be protected against. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, really Christian, and I'm not saying that this invalidates Christian beliefs by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a Christian myself. Um, but I will say that a lot of these concepts, you will just keep finding, you know, they are, they, they may change forms over time. Uh, but a lot of these things still kind of ring true through the various incarnations that you will find them in. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's evil, pure and simple. It's evil, and there's always going to be evil in the world, no matter what form it takes. Yes. Whether you, I mean, I mean, I can honestly see, and I'm probably going to get hate for saying this, but I can honestly see the Skinwalker and the Wendigo being just demons like in a way it could be i mean it at the end of the day who knows but i mean you know wendigos are i love cryptids as well i wanted when i was in high school i really wanted to go into cryptozoology so me too uh, me too (laughs) but yeah wendigos are supposedly created you know after a human eats flesh so who knows? Skinwalkers from Native American, uh, you know, concepts. So uh, they very well could be. Mm, I mean, and it's funny. I, I actually looked for colleges in high school that taught cryptozoology, but there was, I think, one in the whole United States that actually had a major for cryptozoology. Yeah, I mean, at that, like, at I that really time. wanted to go to Arizona State, even though I hate the heat. Uh, I was like, "Yeah, come on, Arizona State. They've got they they do a lot of this stuff. A lot of the people I followed, they happen to to come from there. So I'm like, yeah, I know they have to have something there. But yeah, I went into philosophy and religion instead. So, <laughs> well, I mean, that's a that's pretty close. That's that's the closest you're going to get in most schools is either that or folklore. Mm. But I mean, it's. Uh, it's man. I mean, I to this day I still look every once in a while to see if there's any online schools offering degrees in crypto cryptozoology, and there really isn't. Like there really just is not. And if there was, I would go get my bachelor's in it just for the hell of it. But why not? Yeah. Yeah, I would enjoy that. Cool. I would enjoy that course load. <laughs> but <laughs> unlike when I dropped out of school because biology and chemistry were too much together. My God. <laughs> like 20 lab reports a week forget about it i couldn't keep up with it but yeah no i I originally wanted to do philosophy and physics and then um i realized that my talent for math was not nearly qualified enough to to go into physics and i like yep religion sounds good to me (laughs) actually okay michael asked this and i i like this question because it's something i talk about often on my show would you consider a giant of flesh and blood he brings it up because of the burial mines where we find giants. We find Native American bones with teeth marks all through them. That would make some cannibalistic, and th- that was the threat and the idea of how to rid the planet of the unwanted human species. Uh, well, if you if you go to First Enoch, then the giants were flesh. I mean, they were born from a... Nepalheim, yeah. Yeah, from an, uh, an, uh, from a union of uh, angels and uh, and human females. So it was just the problem was after the fact when they were slaughtered. And Enoch says they were all slaughtered because one of the archangels sent them into battle against one another. 
uh, then their spirits still roam up into the atmosphere. In fact, I'm pretty sure that logic of, well, even God couldn't take them away is one of the main reasons why you don't see First Enoch as a canonical book of the Bible, even though it was considered canonical in, uh, in Second Temple Judaism times. You don't see it anymore. I was going to say, that's, you keep saying Enoch, and that's one of like the, I believe it's, I want to say 28 books that have been taken out of the Bible over time. Yep, that's the pseudepigrapha. Only one group considers that to still be holy, and that is the uh, Ethiopic Orthodox Church. Mm. Well, I mean, and Michael says they were here before the flood and they existed after, which, I mean, they just talked a few years ago about soldiers in Iraq or Iran killing the Kandar giant, they call it, I believe. I haven't heard of that. Yeah, I, I, I was just talking to someone about, about this on my show last week, I think, and that's why it's fresh in my head. But supposedly soldiers in Iraq or Iran killed the giant in the last, like, five, ten years. Hmm. And, I mean, there, I believe there was also a giant that was someone caught, like, a picture of on a mountain in Canada, which, I mean... I mean, at least it had to be a giant based on the, like, you know, the the way the picture looked and the size of it. But it's also, oh, Kandahar Giant. That's what it was. Michael had it. Kandahar Giant. What's that name show? Kandahar Giant. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I just find it strange that all these giant bones are found, like, in over the last hundred years. And then the government comes in and makes them disappear just as fast as they're found? Uh, almost anything that does not fit into a scientific narrative is kind of easily squashed and shunned, not just by academia, but by a lot of different entities. Um, I mean, even... If we took a lot of the advances in science that have been made and honestly try to do a, a comprehensive study of, you know, the possibility of, uh, of extraterrestrials, uh, there's, you know, pretty famous uh, ufologist who has made this exact case that even if you ever express an interest in studying aliens and you are academically shunned. And I have been in that academic environment and I can tell you for sure, like I skated right on that edge when I was there. And uh, yeah, I, and of course there are negative, there were rebels from academia who like the author of the horrid, horrid book, um, evil archeology, span which is just the worst kind of like, coast to coast AM pandering that I have ever seen in my entire life. Uh, you know, you have those bad sides of academia, but if you have truly interested, scientifically minded individuals that want to study something that may not fit into a, the established narratives, then you can get quickly trounced in academia. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, 100% see that. Michael mentioned 1901 in the Grand Canyon with the Egyptians. I'm not sure what you're referencing there, Michael. I never heard of that, but, but I mean, 
I don't know. It's for, I mean, I had I had Dr. Hugh Ross on my show three weeks ago now, maybe four weeks. He's an astrophysicist. Mm-hmm. And he's a big he, his belief is that and I almost I was trying not to argue with him the whole show, but his belief is that anybody who's abducted by extraterrestrials, his words, it's because they open a door to the occult. Whether it be Ouija board or heavy metal or anything that opens the door to the occult. Yeah, I would have problems not arguing with him myself. <laughs> I mean, I was I was like, do I need to go break out my Iron Maiden and Marilyn Manson CDs and see if I get abducted? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I will leave it at that. I respect other people's opinions, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's I mean, he's an astrophysicist who has looked into more UFO sightings and abductions than I've ever heard of. Mm. And but that's his belief of why it happens. He believes that mm. extra, he believes extraterrestrials are demons. But because he's along the line of a lot of other people I talk to who say that it's that they're ultra terrestrials that like aliens extraterrestrials come from in other dimensions and that's why they're demons and angels because they come from other dimensions and that's what heaven and hell are other dimensions according to a lot of people i've talked to over the over the last year or so but well i mean i mean i don't know if i believe that but still i mean just i mean just right off the top of my head i mean the images of of grays don't match any existing iconic uh, paintings you know known to humanity so i i don't know i mean just at first blush i would have a lot of problems with that but well i mean the theory i was always told from people who believe this type of idea is that reptilians were the demons because they're they look like demons they're ugly looking and norse aliens are the angels the extraterrestrials that look like they're from they look like they're norse they look like they're from iceland finland sweden that type of person okay like like you know norse ones have always been one of the three big three for aliens like and that that's why i've always been and grays see i've had so many different people tell me different things about grays but the one that sticks out in my head always is that they grays were a failed experiment by God. That's what a lot of people say. Yeah, see, this is why I stick to uh, to uh, uh, ancient Near Eastern history <laughs> because I, I honestly I have no opinions on this. Stuff. I mean, I I've always been fascinated by uh, UFOs, UAPs, uh, cryptids, everything else, but. Um, yeah, there's a lot of opinions floating around, uh, especially if you listen to the Coach to Coach AM uh, crazy bandwagon people. And yeah. uh, I, I just stay away from that stuff. I'm like, yeah, I, I prefer to stick with, uh, I still have a healthy dose of skepticism in everything that I look at. And even though I'm a big proponent and believer in modern spiritual warfare and how to keep people safe from demonic influences. And I talk about that a good bit. Um, 
Yeah, I still turn a skeptical eye into most things. So, <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. Because I actually had a guest on my show. And honestly, if you're going to listen to one episode of my show, go to the one with... What the hell is his name? Christopher. He is a... He's a filmmaker, but he also was in the army and a lot of other stuff, but mm-hmm. he, uh, oh, there we go. Christopher Susie. He's okay. my fifth episode. And, oh, sixth episode. And it's called you mean the devil makes three because he believes he saw the devil twice in his life and that he heard the devil another time. I, I see I, that I actually, I can get behind a good bit because my, me, there's a famous story in our family about my grandmother encountering the devil in the tobacco, in the tobacco field. Um, and I, you know, yes, it's my family. So I'm much more prone to believe it, but, uh, there's nothing that prohibits people from having contact with any sort of entity up to and including the devil. I mean, the original exorcist, the story in which that real life story that's based upon, you know, the invading entity was the devil, even though that is a very highly uncommon situation to encounter during cases of possession. So I would definitely check that out. Basically, what the hell is it called? There, there's a when he was in the army and I want to say it was Argentina or somewhere in South America, Bolivia maybe. Actually, yeah, I think it was Bolivia. There was El Canyon de Tio, the uncle uncle's canyon, mm-hmm. and on one side of it is a huge painting. And you actually look it up online. I've seen it. There's a huge painting of a figure that it says El Tio beneath it, and the figure looks like what we would commonly draw the devil as and Hmm. they don't let people go in that canyon at night and there are great there are not grave markers but crosses all across the top of the canyon for all the people that died in that canyon oh gosh they drove through that canyon during the day when he was in the military and then like one of their guys went crazy and ran back in that night because he thought he heard a girl crying and like they got him out and everything and supposedly there was something like they they said like a big red bull and it was at the edge of the canyon when they got him out and they ran towards the exit like the bull was like right behind them and like it was pacing by the canyon but it wouldn't go to the edge of the canyon where the guard shack was because they have they have armed guards on both sides of the canyon pass and like the guards were shooting at it, but they say like we shoot. The guards told them like we shoot at it all the time. Doesn't do anything. Dang. And the voice, the voice, the voice you heard was him trying to draw you in. And I mean, that is fascinating. It was uh, he was one of my favorite guests. I still got to get him back on because he says he has mirror stories to tell me. And I was going to have him back on a Halloween. But I, ne- I I never got the chance to because I was so booked up at that point. But I got to have him back on because he has mirror stories to tell me. And I 
I haven't had anybody on this podcast yet that has had like mirror stories. And my wife is dead scared of mirrors because I think she's seen in them. And I just, I've never seen anything in the mirror. I'm looking at one right now. I've never seen anything in a mirror. So, I mean, the idea that mirrors are actually doorways to other dimensions is just trippy. Very true. Yeah, the only thing, I mean, I grew up, what, 40 minutes from the estate that uh, housed the original stories of the Bell Witch. And so I, I always grew up with the Bell Witch stories. But yeah, that's the only thing I've ever had encountering with mirrors. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh, um, about, yeah, I've, I've, I've had Mark Matsky from Small Town Monsters on my show. And they we talked about like when they were doing when they were filming the Bell Witch uh, documentary they did. Oh wow! Yeah, I've I, so I've actually I visited the estate when I was a kid, and on on the grounds they have a cave system that goes back yes eight miles I think it is. Uh, I, I actually like crawled through probably the first quarter of a mile when I was a kid. And then when it got even a little spooky, I'm like, nope, I'm out. And that was it. I would never even consider going back further, but it is a very freaky place. Is the case system like small or something? Like it is. is. Yeah. It gets really tight, really fast. So we went into the entrance of it and which is kind of still broad, like you have to duck down, but you can get into it, but no, it narrows down very quickly. All right. I was going to say, cause like, I'm like, I will go through all your miles of it. I don't, if I could actually walk through it, I would, but I ain't trying to crawl through nothing where I'm going to get stuck. I'm a big no, guy. Exactly. I, I couldn't do that if I wanted to. It, it's uh, I mean, and yeah, you do have to like crawl and there's some pretty, if memory serves, because this was a very long time ago, um, but if memory serves, there are some really tight spots in there. So, ooh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let you listen to the episode because he, I mean, he's a screenwriter and mm -hmm. he's also an actor. So, the way he tells the stories, one, you believe him 100%, and at least I did. And two, just like, the way he moves, the way he does his voice when he tells the stories of what happened to him are ooh, ooh, ooh like it this dang that was I released that episode back in May of last year and it still gives me chills talking about it. Uh, I will definitely be checking that out this weekend. <laughs> and of course I named it You Mean the Devil Make Three off of the Marilyn Manson song. But yep. <laughs> All right, Dr. Hugh Ross, uh, I just talked about Marilyn Manson. Am I going to get abducted tonight? Please. I've been waiting to get abducted for years. <laughs> my, my, well, I mean, my wife actually believes she has been abducted since she was a kid, but. Oh, gosh. Which, I mean, yeah, because she used to, her, her and her sister shared a room when they were kids, like eight, eight and seven, nine and eight years old. And like her sister would go looking for her in the middle of the night when she wouldn't be in her bed. And she'd be like, I looked through the whole house for you. Where'd you go? You didn't come back to bed for hours. And she was like, I don't know. I didn't realize I was out of bed even. I can like, imagine. I, I literally bought her a camera for her bedroom, like when I first started dating her, to mm -hmm. keep an eye on the kids and when she was out of the room and whatnot. And the one night, like she took like the video freaking deleted because I was too too cheap to pay for the subscription service. But like literally one night there was it caught something outside her window on the second floor, which there's no way to get up to that second floor roof because you'd have to have a ladder or you'd have to, which would make noise. 
or you'd have to like literally be able to fly. Mm-hmm. And there's something big, shadowy, black, and hulking. You could see it like walking toward, like kind of like going towards the window. And then as soon as it gets close to the window, the camera went staticky. And she woke up the next morning, once again, feeling like she didn't sleep at all. Oh my gosh. I kept telling her, I mean, it's a Bridgewater Triangle one. It's an Indian, a Native American burial ground land. So, I mean, there's a many things it could have been, but I kept telling her, I'm like, do what I he- hear Derek Hayes say all the time on Monsters Among Us podcasts. Wear your sleeping clothes inside out. If they're right side out when you wake up, it's a good sign you've been abducted. Hmm. That's interesting. It's it's a theory he put forth like years ago on his podcast. And I don't know if you heard of Monsters Among Us, but it's an amazing podcast where people call in their own stories about paranormal encounters. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a, it's what got me back into the paranormal was his podcast, but gotcha. And like it's an amazing show. I I vote for it every year in paranormality, like like awards and whatnot. But it's just an amazing show, and that was one of the tips he like he's heard of before. So he said that in his show multiple times is wear your pajamas inside out, and if the right side out and you wake up, you either were abducted by aliens or. You're waking up in the middle of the night and you're stripping completely and undo and fixing your clothes, which I don't know anybody who would do that. So true, very true. <laughs> and I mean, and extraterrestrials would do that because they want to make it seem like they weren't there. So, and they're gonna think that humans are gonna wear their clothes the way they're supposed to be worn. So, if they're an interesting theory, yeah, I always like to bring that up once. I like to bring that up every couple every few episodes. It's an interesting theory. I like it, but. Why don't you tell people where they can find your podcast, where they can find you? Sure. So uh, you can find us on southerndemonology.com. It has links to uh, every podcasting uh, platform that we are on, in addition to all of our social media links. But, yeah, I'm on Discord. We have about 100 and almost 140 people now uh, big. Uh, We do Wednesday movie nights, and then we're on you know, Facebook, uh, Twitter, although that's probably going to go away soon, uh, Instagram, TikTok, etc. So, yeah, feel free to come by. You can contact me directly on the site or you can email me directly at southerndemonology at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, I welcome any and all comments and I reply to every one of them. At least try to. <laughs> <laughs> it gets hard sometimes. I know I understand that 100%, but... And of course, all my listeners know you can find me on Paranormal the Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings podcast with a S Facebook group. And yes, me and Chancey are trying to find a new name for our collaboration of podcasts. So coming soon. But you can find me on Twitter and the gram as at Juggalo Bastard. And you can find me on Tiki Taki as at Juggalo Bastard Podcast. And of course, you can find Paranormal the Normal on YouTube by searching the name where this is streaming right now. If anyone was actually watching from there right now but <laughs> please like subscribe wherever you watch and listen and i want to thank jj for coming on because it's been a fun episode i love i love talking to other podcasters and ones as entertaining as you and that are as funny as you i freaking love because it's always a fun conversation and it's always it makes it less of a job for me to host because it's just 
two people. I know that feeling all too well. It, it was fantastic being here. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I hope we can do it again. And I might have to have you on my show as well if you'd be open to it. I am open to guessing on anything. Always, I have awesome. been on more. Po- I've been on more. Po- I've been as I've been on as many other podcasts as episodes I've produced, probably, and that's saying something since I'm close to 100 episodes. But about <laughs> the but, same thing here, honestly. <laughs> it's 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 fun to guess another podcast and not have to worry about editing or any of it. And just you get to just have fun, and then bye. See you next time. <laughs> I don't it's, have it's four fun. hours of editing to do after this conversation. So. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. I'm like, I got, I got at least another half hour of it, if not more, but well, listeners, thank you for listening. I'll be back in half a week. And for those who watched, thank you for watching. <laughs>